0: Let's just stay in that attitude of prayer. Just because, as we've just sung before, the days passed us by and our hearts do forget all our Lord's goodness, let's just bow before him now. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and worship you this morning as our wonderful creator and the one who sustains all life, We especially want to thank you today for all that you have done for the Hills Christian Family Centre. We rejoice because it is our birthday, a celebration of the birth of our church 26 years ago, and the new chapter in its life that began when we moved here. We thank you for all that you have done throughout that time to bring us to this place. And we well remember the miracle it was in the way you led us here. We thank you for the many people who left Seton and moved to the hills, people who have led and served and contributed in many ways to help our church become what it is today. Lord, we know that all life comes from you. You are always doing something new, something you planned a long time before it ever comes into being. We are excited for what our future holds. We thank you for the word that Pastor John gave us during his visit from Ghana last year. We thank you for the people from other nations who have become part of the Hills family. We ask that we will all receive that fresh touch from you to change us on the inside so that we can reach out to others. That our church will not be swallowed up by the world because we are too comfortable that we will take seriously the words of Jesus to tell others about his kingdom and be prepared to move to our next level in fulfilling the Great Commission. We pray that you will also bring in new people with gifts that are needed to establish new ministries that you are yet to reveal. And we thank you for every person who is part of the Hills Church, from our youngest baby George Mawson to our most senior and much loved Jim Winkle and everyone in between. Help people within our church family to recognize and affirm the gifts that are emerging in our members of all ages. As we look forward, we pray that you will be preparing and equipping us so that we will be a proactive and effective presence in our community. May we reach out to the people around us, sharing your love and demonstrating the life and joy that comes from knowing Jesus and having him living in us. As our faith increases, we pray that you will greatly enlarge the areas of influence that we have. Within our church, we pray for hearts to be healed, renewed and emboldened. As we've sung this morning, we pray for wisdom in the secret heart of all of us. We pray for faith to be restored and deepened, for greater unity within our family for deeper worship, worship that leads to repentance and revival, Lord. And may prayer become a greater priority for all of us, especially prayer where we gather as your people to hear you speak to us and, Lord, for our leadership to have your mind in all decisions that are made. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and you, our Father, who loves us, and by your grace gives us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage our hearts today and strengthen us in every good deed and word. But most of all, and more importantly, Lord, may it be your love that always satisfies us more than anything else ever could. And we pray these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Thank you, Carol, for those words and especially got, got the sense of when you were praying for the, the gifts that are emerging in the life of our church as we live out what God's doing in us and that expression comes out um, that we would all be expressing the joy, the gifts, the love for one another and ability to, to serve one another. And um, again, I just want to thank thanks to, um um, this morning, it's just funny when, just just a little bit of teaching time. Uh, w- when the morning goes really badly, normally that means God's going to do something really well. Our practice is all over the place, but then God God moves amongst us, isn't that? And it just shows that God, it's about Him and not us. It's not about our strength, but when we're weak, He is strong. And uh, so, thank you for ba- making space for the Lord um, this morning. I said to see, we've got heaps of time, just make space. And now I've got like, ah, oh, i are going to have to cut my sermon in half. That's okay. That's all good. <laughs> um, uh, just welcome everyone again. Um, and welcome if you're watching online. I uh, just want to welcome you into this space as well. We're going to be jumping into, once again, we're looking at In His Words as a series. And last week I opened up the start An idea about what discipleship might be, and we want to just continue that conversation uh, this week. It is a core principle of Jesus uh, that he called people to follow him, Uh, not to just believe in him, not to just uh, think his teaching was a good idea, but to actually live out and to follow after him and to live out that teaching. And so we want to look at what Jesus talked about what it meant to be a disciple. Yes, we can read books. Yes, we can go on courses. Yes, we can see what people say online. But what did Jesus actually say, have to say about it? And in Matthew um, 16, 24 to 27, is probably one of the core sayings of Jesus on discipleship. And we want to look at that this morning. But I want to just begin again by kind of defining what a disciple is. You see, we, we use the word Christian in our world and in, in many ways it's very easy to be, be a Christian. Uh, there, there is the sense of Jesus has made a way. We simply receive the free gift of grace and we accept what he has done on our behalf and, and Jesus becomes our Lord and Saviour and, beca- and lives inside of us. In many ways, that's a very easy process. Yes, there has to be a decision in that. But what does it actually mean? Jesus didn't call just believers. He called us to be disciples. And as we discovered last week, the word disciple is a learner or a student. But of course, discipleship is more than just learning. It's more than just getting knowledge. Who here as a young person played follow the leader? It was a game that we played, right, where the leader would go out in the, in the playground and they'd go up down the slide and, you know, try and go as many complicated places as possible to get the train of kids behind them to follow them. And it's a, it's a, it's a little game, but in a way it's a great illustration of what an actual disciple is. is one who follows after the leader and goes where the leader has gone and lives the way the leader lived, and so as we as we look at the Jesus's life, as we look at the model of ministry, as we look at um, the things that were vitally important to him, those things, as we learn from him, become vitally important to us. And so I came across this um, wonderful quote this week: "A student learns what his teacher knows, but a disciple." Becomes what his master is. And that is the difference, I think, between our um, language when we talk about being a Christian or, or being a disciple, Jesus called disciples to follow him and to become like Jesus. And that is the journey that we have as Christians is to become more and more like Jesus. You see, I am many things. I am a father, I am a husband. I am a punk rocker. I am a little bit rebellious in my nature. I am a surfer. I am a gardener. There there are many things that I could say identify me, but primarily I am a disciple. I am a learner. I am a student who is following his master and becoming more and more like him. And as I grow and as I mature and as I understand what Jesus talked about and what he, what he was on about, sometimes the things as, as I'm young just went over my head. And, and as we grow, we, we gain understanding and knowledge about what Jesus actually meant. And so as I shared last week, Jesus called us and commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus didn't say, go and make Um, church members or people who sit on the chairs or go make believers, go make Christians he said go and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you now here is an interesting thought that we need to obey everything. That if, if we are to be followers of Jesus, we are to obey everything that he commanded. Not just the things that we like. Not just the areas of life that fit well with us. But all of our life. Every area of our life. Every, every theme, every decision, every thing that Jesus has commanded us. So, when Jesus says, Follow me, he didn't just mean on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. You might have come across memes like this. No, following him doesn't just mean liking what he talked about, it doesn't mean agreeing with it. It literally means going to the places he went. And that's what we want to look at this morning. And so, I think often, you know, if we look at the church. Today, I think we have a discipleship issue. As we see that the church in decline over, over the world, uh, we, I think the church is very good at uh, making uh, Christians, making believers, making people turn to Christ. But when it actually comes to following him and to be making disciples, uh, I think we need to maybe be a little bit better at that. And so this morning I want to look at I've got here five parts of discipleship. I'm going to do, I'm going to do three um, <laughs> as we look at this, um, uh, this famous reading. And let's look at it. So Matthew 16, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will, for me, will find it. What good is it for someone who to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And we're going to focus mainly on uh, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The first kind of it's kind of a step in a way, a part of discipleship. The beginning of discipleship is a step of desire. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants or desires to come after me. Everything happens and begins with our desire, a yearning, a hunger. In fact, most inventions, most advancements in our society have come about because there's been a desire to change or to fix or to make things easier. And so out of of that desire... Uh, it births something. It begins something. So many of you woke up this morning and you, you have this desire. It's called hunger. And you, uh, you, you fix that desire with something called breakfast, right? And so you make a decision based on that desire. It might be porridge. It might be toast. It might be coffee. <laughs> you. Um, but that's a physical example. It's the same spiritually. See, our salvation... Begins with a sense of desire. Our salvation begins with a desire for things to be different. The physical example was a hole in our stomach. You know that there is a hole in our soul. There is a desire for something to be different in our lives. And as we discover that need, that searching, that hunger, that longing for things to be different... Um, And that that longing, that desire might play itself out in many, many different ways. For many of us, the the realisation of the sin in our lives, maybe there's guilt and and that realisation then drives us to Jesus to be our rescuer, to release us and to save us from that sin and guilt. Uh, For some of us, um, perhaps there's a, a sense of emptiness or wanting to have fulfillment in our lives and that desire then leads us to to try and fill it in many, many ways but ultimately it's jesus who ultimately fulfills that whole or maybe there's this realization of hey i haven't got much life left to live i want to make the most of it i want to want to want this life to to actually matter and and to be used whatever desire you have it it forces us to into making a decision and to changing us, and all these are God given. All of these desires, all of these these things in our life, God has actually placed in us to draw us to Him. In Romans eight, it says that the creation was subject to frustration. <laughs> are you frustrated in your life? Have you got things that you want to be fixed? You want it to be put right? Right? We're we're subjected to this frustration, not by our own choice. We haven't haven't chosen to have this frustration, this hole inside of us. But, But by the one, God has actually subjected that upon us. In hope that we will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Isn't that what we just wasn't that the word that was just spoken us over this morning? That the the freedom, being rescued, would actually take over that sense of being being bondage and, and in chains and bound down by this frustration that we have in us. Now that's kind of very theological language. Let let me Let me translate it for you. God has put a hole in your soul. God has put a hole in your soul. And we might try and fix that and and fill that with so many things. But ultimately, he's put it there in order that we might find him and that our fulfilment would be in him. Uh, A very famous uh, psychologist, um, Abram... Maslow. I don't know if you've, you've heard of this guy. He, he, as a psychologist, sort of studied humanity, studied uh, people, and he, he realised that there's certain needs that each and every one of us have. And he had this pyramid of needs. And first of all, we have a physical need. We need shelter. We need food. And that's a very basic need that we have. And then we need to feel like we're safe and secure in our lives Every single one of us has this desire and this need to feel security in us. But there's also this, this longing to belong. Like Everyone wants to feel like we're part of something, feel like we're part of a community. And, and God's made us to, to be church, to be family, because that's that sense of how we're created. But then there's this, like, actually achieve, like I actually want to do something in my life. I want to make sense and, and be part of of being respected by others in what I do. But do you know what's right at the very, very top? Is this sense of fulfilment, the sense of purpose, the sense of meaning. So this isn't a a Christian psychologist. This is someone who's just studied humanity and people who have come into his office and he's like, every single person is built this way. We're built with this need for... Fulfillment. We're built with this need for purpose. And we will never be complete and we will never be wholly fulfilled until we find that purpose in Christ. And so that's why the first step of discipleship is desire, because without this desire for things to be different, without this desire for fulfilment and for, for peace inside my heart, there is no uh, decision to change. There's no decision to try and fill that hole. And we might try and fill it with many things, but ultimately the decision to follow Jesus is the one that is going to to have that first fulfillment. So question to this morning, do you desire for your life to be different? Right now. As you live out your life, do you desire for things to be different? Well, allow that desire to motivate you, to push you, to turn you to Jesus. And for that decision to be the beginning of a transformation in your life. If you want your life to be different, allow that Desire for change, that desire for difference, to to move you to following Jesus, for allowing Him to do a work in your life. So, first of all, is a step of of um, desire. Secondly, is a step of desire of denial. <laughs> so, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, what does it actually mean to deny yourself? It, it can be translated to disown yourself or to separate yourself. And it's like, what does, that, what does that mean? It's the same word that um, the Bible used when Peter denied Christ. So they came to, to, to Peter and said, hey, you were, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And he separated himself. Now, I don't know the man, kind of create a gap between the, the reality of the relationship. And so we are to, to create a separation between ourselves. How do we do that? I don't know about you, but everywhere I go, I'm there. So how do I separate myself from myself? How do I deny myself? What Jesus is talking about is to separate or to disown our selfishness our self centeredness, our self fulfillment, our self importance, our self sufficiency, our self righteousness. And when we give ourselves over to Jesus to ultimately be in charge, you see, denying yourself is the opposite of independence. We aren't independent people. We like, we kind of want to be, don't we? we? We like the idea of being in charge of our own lives. We like the idea of running our own lives. But when we come to follow Jesus, we're actually giving up that right to be in charge, to be the boss, to be in the driver's seat. Um, when I was younger, I used to skate, and there was a company that um, made the trucks of a skateboard and uh, they were called independent. You might have seen that logo on t-shirts. And I remember, because it kind of, it it went with the philosophy that many young people and skaters and surfers, they wanted to be independent. They wanted to charge their own way. They wanted to live their own life. They wanted to be in charge. And so they loved wearing this sort of thing because I'm independent, it's me against the world. But Christianity and following Jesus is not about our independence. It's our dependence on him. It's our trust in him to take the lead. In fact, I'm just going to skip over this, but I love the message version. It says, If anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead, you're not in the driver's seat, I am. Isn't that a great translation of what it means to deny ourselves? We are to give over that right. We are no longer in charge. We are saying, Jesus, I want things to be different, and I've tried, and I've tried to be in charge, and I've tried independently to, to make a way for things to be better. But now, Lord, I'm giving that over to you. I'm denying myself the right to hold the steering wheel. Lord, will you direct me? Will you drive me? Will you lead my life? Will you be the Lord of my life? So first of all, there is um, desire, denial, and then Jesus talks about taking up our cross. Now, this is a phrase in Christian circles that we've sort of taken and Maybe adapt it a little bit. We might say things like, "Well, that's my cross to bear." Have you heard people say that, as if it's kind of this inconvenience or it's this kind of little trial that I have to put up with? You know, you know she's my mother-in-law. That's my cross to bear, or, or you know, w- w- whatever it may be, whatever, <laughs> whatever you know, little like funny thing. But when Jesus is talking about, about taking up our cross wasn't talking about a little inconvenience It wasn't talking about a little trial or something that just is on our life that we have to put up with in fact the the disciples when he said that would have known exactly what he said because capital punishment and crucifixion was prevalent in that day they would walk along the roadside they'd see how the Romans executed people And and when Jesus said take up your cross wasn't saying put up with stuff they knew that it actually meant death and so there is a step of death how do we as disciples die I mean it's a bit like when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said you have to be born again and he's scratching his head he's going how can I enter my mother's womb again and be born again like that, that concept kind of goes over, how, how are we supposed to live and die? As disciples, how are we supposed to die and live out the calling that he, he has for us? Or well, let us explain what it actually means to die. And I think what is helpful is to look at the context of this passage. If you've got your Bibles, I won't um, go into it. Go back a couple of, of verses Jesus takes his disciples to a region called Caesarea Philippi. And, he, and, he, and there he asks his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Many people, you might be Elijah, you might be Jeremiah, you might be one of the other prophets. And he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter, don't you just love Peter, just steps up and he says, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And, and Jesus says, you are correct, Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And then, the very next few verses, Jesus then explains to his disciples that the Messiah, the Christ, is going to go suffer and is going to go die on the cross. And Peter just made this amazing announcement. He just got an A on the the discipleship test, right? And then he just gets a fail the next night. Jesus just goes, I'm going to go suffer and I'm going to die. And Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, that this is going to happen. And Jesus' response was pretty fierce. He says, get behind me, Satan. Now, pretty strong words. He could have just said, buzz off, mate. But get behind me, get behind me, Satan. Like, why was Jesus so strong about correcting Peter here? Because Jesus just declared what his life was about. His life was going to be about sacrifice. His life was going to be about death. He's going to the cross to save the world. That is central to who he is and what he's about. And Peter tries to say, hey, Jesus, that's you don't need the cross. You don't need suffering. Try, try and bypass that. We want you to just establish your kingdom here, and we want to be part of it. And I wonder if Jesus... You know, remember when Jesus went into the desert before his ministry and he's tempted by Satan and and he says, look out, all of this, I'll give you the kingdom if you just bow down and worship me. And the devil's kind of saying, you can bypass the cross if you just worship me. You don't have to go through all of that if you just indulge me this one little thing and worship me. And, and Jesus is like, nah, that is not the way. That is not what I am about. What is core is that I have come to take humanity of sin upon myself and to go to that cross and to die in their place. And so when Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross, Jesus is saying, make what is central to me central to you. That the gospel has to be the, the centrality of how we live. That it is not about us, but it is about us dying to self and allowing him and his life to be alive in us. See, Christianity without the cross is not Christianity at all. We can't bypass the cross in our desire to follow Jesus. Bonhoeffer famously said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. We must come and die. So that death in us, as we want to model what Jesus has done, is that sense of, I have to sacrifice me (laughs) I have to sacrifice what I want. I have to sacrifice my desires. I have to sacrifice my desire to, to bypass suffering, to bypass the hardships, to bypass this. I have to say no to that, and I have to say get behind me, Satan, and I have to live that in order to follow in Jesus' footsteps. How could it be any other way other than the gospel being at the centre of everything that we do? This was core for Jesus. The cross is everything. It's what he came to do. That was his purpose, his ministry, was to head to that cross. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's saying, as followers of me, make that same priority, to make the gospel, the cross, sacrifice, service, the biggest part of your life as you live out your desire to follow me. This morning, something very, I think, quite, I think God put it in, in our, in our, right in front of us. We, we often drive down um, main road into Coromandel Valley from where we live and so often there are bike riders riding up, and they're in all of their gear, and they've got all the, they've got all the special equipment, and you know they're in their position, and they're like, and they're in the right cadence and the heart rate to get up the hill. And we were we were coming down the hill this morning, and there was this farmer lad, and he had a mountain bike, and he just had a hat on like a cap, and he had a, like a little basket on the front of his thing and and it, seriously he was flying up faster than i've seen any bike rider ride up that hill before and i felt like what the law was saying was there's there's a core strength in him maybe his lifestyle maybe he's just on the farm all the time picking up sheep or or something. Um, but there's a lifestyle, there's there's a strength, there's a core, there's a, a a center of who he is, that enables him to just fly up that hill. He didn't need the bike, he didn't need the lycra, he didn't need the special speedo or the the clip in shoes. Man, he just flew up that hill based on who he was and the the core of the strength of him. Oh, I think that's what Jesus is saying when he says take up your cross make sacrifice make the gospel make the cross the center of everything that you are and as you follow him as you serve him as you live out your lives and your families in your workplaces let that core be your strength to go forward in the things of God We're going to share in communion. I think it's a a great lead in, isn't it, to sharing in the significance of what Jesus has done for us? That Jesus came and he didn't bypass the cross, he didn't give that up, but he came in order to do it for you, that you might be set free, that you might have that desire to follow him. I just want to pray before we we get into communion because I just feel like, I just feel like when I I shared before about desire and fulfilment, I think there's some of us here who, who are longing for change and longing for God to be at work in our lives. And you know, even as I was, I was preaching on that. You know, we can that that top of the triangle. We we want to we want to fill this hole. We want things to be different. We want things to be right, and we fill it with all sorts of stuff. Like we think a career is going to fix it we, or fill it. We think a, our marriage is going to fill it. We think a car or a home is going to fill it. We think achievement in life is going to fill this, this emptiness. But that's there in order for you to fill it with Christ. And so I want to just pray this morning before we head into communion that we, that, that, that desire in us for change would, would turn us to Jesus. So let's pray. Lord from young to old we have different experiences in life and as we sit in this room each and every one of us has an experience and a life that we are going through right now we have situations we have stresses we have circumstances that are, are causing frustration and wrestle and are causing this sense of there is a hole in my soul, and it is not right. And, Lord, I just pray that right now that we would use that desire for things to change, that we would, we would rid ourselves of trying to fix things ourselves, that we would rid ourselves of trying to fill that hole with things, possessions, relationships, um, importance, and that, Lord, that we would, as this morning, as we come to communion, allow you to fill that space, allow you to become the Lord of our life, that you would lead us. And that as it says in that, the end of this passage in Matthew, that as we lose our life, that we would find it in you. That as we die to self, that we would become alive in Christ that as we give up the right to, to lead and to be independent, that we would be dependent on you to lead and to guide us in every area of our lives. So, Lord, as we come to communion this morning, as we come to this table that you've prepared for us today, as we come and are invited to be reminded of that great sacrifice, that you didn't bypass that cross, that that was central to you to bring us to life, to free us from sin and death, to bring us that life that we would find in you. So Lord, as we come, prepare our hearts that we might meet you at this table and that you would fill us afresh, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your goodness, fill us with your leading and guiding. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. I might invite the music team up. You know, I find it interesting that we often read the words of institution that that Paul says, and he says, "I." I receive this and I pass it on to you. You know, there's another another part in Corinthians where he says that same thing, where he talks about the gospel. And he says this, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, for which I received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain." And here's that bit he says, "I've received and I pass it on. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, the core of who we are, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That is a description in for Peter of the gospel. That's it. Jesus came. He died on the cross, he was buried, and he was raised to life. And so as we come to the table, we take these elements that remind us of Jesus' great sacrifice. Paul says, For I received from the Lord, and I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, as we're talking about, living out the commandments of Christ, we do as Christ commanded us to do. We come and we eat and we drink and we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim what he has done for us until he comes again. This is an open table. Jesus invites us to his table, to this meal. If you love Jesus or if you're wanting to know who Jesus is more, you are invited to come and to share in this meal. I'm gonna get the music team to begin to to play a song. And I'm gonna invite uh, this side to to head to the wall and then come and if you wanna just take time in front of the cross, it's funny, Mike said, I think we need a cross on the table this morning. And, And Skylar said, why don't we do it in front of the cross? And it just dawned on me then, the cross is central. So you might want to take time. We might push some of those seats back and just look at the cross. Hold these elements in your hand. Go, Lord, I love you. I long to follow you. I long for fulfilment in my life. Help me to, to, to find that in you. Help me to find that strength in you. So as we come And as we eat and as we drink, feel free to eat and drink at the cross in your own time. And I just pray, Lord, just minister to us in this time as we eat this meal. Let us come. Let us eat and drink.
2: Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. But Lord, we thank you that for those of us who believe that's just the beginning of the journey, that you call us, but each day you continue to call us to take up our cross and truly follow you. So Lord, again, we say that we are yours, you are ours And we thank you for your faithfulness to carry us through this life. Lord, we just pray that as we spend time with you and we we continue on into our day, that you would continually bring us back to you. Remind us of who we are in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I encourage you if you want to spend time everybody's holding up their cups feel free to do you want to here you go you step up okay let's drink and eat together (laughs) we thank you Jesus for your body broken for us thank you for your blood shed for us for the new life that that gives us for the reminder that you have done it all and that you are our all. Thank you, Lord. So we encourage you, if you're at home joining us, we pray that you will just know the presence of the Lord with you today. If you'd like prayer, the prayer room will be open. Feel free to come down the front, spend some time with the Lord. We are family, and we celebrate today with our birthday. One of the best things about that is we are a church family together. So I encourage you, if you want some prayer, if you want someone to, to be with you, to stand with you, we're here. And we encourage you to take the time to do that. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. We just pray your blessing, Father, to be over us in all that we do for the rest of this morning. To you be the glory and the honour, today and always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.